Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Fertility Podcast. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, thank you so much for your support. I've got a slightly different episode today. What I'm going to be sharing with you is an episode that I've actually produced with Surrogacy UK, who I've been working with to help them help others understand what their organisation does from the surrogate's point of view and the intended parent's point of view. And I've helped to produce a series of seven episodes, which I will give you all the details of how you can find out more about. And what I'm doing is I'm going to share one of the episodes, which was a really fascinating roundtable discussion that I recorded with a group of surrogates talking about their experiences. So if you're thinking about becoming a surrogate or if you're thinking about working with one, I think you'll find these women absolutely remarkable as I did and I hope you find this interesting. My name's Shell Green. I've been a surrogate for three and a half years a friend of mine donated her eggs on Facebook and she'd received a card and some flowers from the couple that had received her eggs just saying how grateful they were and that they'd had a baby boy or you know it's through the clinic Um, and she sort of posted it on Facebook and I thought oh what an amazing thing to do perhaps that's something I really like to do so I started researching egg donation and stumbled across surrogacy and then surrogacy uk and i was just like well that's amazing i really should do that instead that's much better so then i joined surrogacy uk so i've been a surrogate once so i had twins for a couple back in march 2015 and i'm currently pursuing a journey which is taking its time a little bit so i've been on an on a second journey for about 16 months now My name's Sarah Jones and I've been a surrogate four times. My eldest surrogate baby is now 13 and my youngest surrogate baby is three months. I came across surrogacy like Shell, looking at egg donation and didn't see it as much of a leap to surrogacy from egg donation. Looked at Surrogacy UK, liked the ethos, liked how friendly everybody was and 15 years later I'm still here. My name is Janine Gregory. I have been a surrogate once. I gave birth to Ella in June 2016. I came into surrogacy because it took me a good 18 months to conceive my first child and kind of had a bit of a glimpse into the life of wanting a child. And also I had a few friends that had infertility issues and I love being pregnant so I kind of thought why not let's go for it. I never thought about donating eggs like Sarah and Shell has until well into my surrogacy journey and now I've done egg donation and I'm doing it again. I don't plan on doing surrogacy again due to having three cesarean sections and I don't think it would be wise to have a fourth. I don't think I'd be signed off for the GP for one and I wouldn't want to do surrogacy through any other means other than Surrogacy UK. Hi I'm Katie Bazant and I've been with Surrogacy UK for four years now almost and I've just had my first surrogate baby almost 12 weeks ago. I've always kind of known that I wanted to be a surrogate. For me it's just been an innate feeling that's kind of always been there. I'd see it in TV shows and storylines and think oh, I'd, I'd do that for my sisters if they needed it. I absolutely would and I didn't know you could do it in this country until I four years ago was reading a magazine and there was an article from a surrogate in there saying what her experiences were and that she found it by researching on the internet and I was like oh 
you can do that. So that's what I did. I had a bit of a Google, found Surrogacy UK, found another organization, looked at them both, decided Surrogacy UK was the way for me through its friendship first, you know, contact, kind of lifelong involvement with the couple. And, you know, if I, I wanted to watch the child grow up, that was that's my reward for doing it. So that's why I joined Surrogacy UK. I'm Fiona and I'm lucky enough to have had a surrogate help me have my family. So my babies are Surrogacy UK babies number 32 and 38, but we call them Hannah and Fraser for short. <laughs> and they are eight and six now. And I also... I'm a trustee at Surrogacy UK, like Sarah, so we try to help give a little bit back to the organisation that's made our lives so full. Before you guys came to Surrogacy UK, what research did you do? Google. Yeah, what Google else? too. Not in yet. I don't think it existed back when you joined though, Sarah. It did exist. <laughs> it existed 15 years ago. But yeah, no, internet, yeah, just Googled egg donation and egg donation and surrogacy came up in the same categories so it wasn't a giant leap to look at surrogacy and and actually 15 years ago there wasn't that much information around there was sort of two basic organizations with not a lot of information until you actually joined so for the lay person who didn't know anything about surrogacy at all, you had to join an organisation before you found anything out. Luckily enough, one of the founders from Surrogacy UK messaged me and said, would you like to know a bit more about surrogacy? And she was the first person I spoke to in real life about surrogacy and that contributed to me joining Surrogacy UK. Yeah, I, like Sarah, Googled and found that when I Googled egg donation, surrogacy came up as well. And yeah, so for me, there was three organisations when I was Googling and Surrogacy UK just stuck out like a sore thumb with its friendship first ethos. I like the way that you make, you make friends. Again, yeah, just Googled and Surrogacy UK was the first one I spotted along with another one. I contacted Jane and she told me that there was a spring conference literally two weeks ahead. So I came along to that and found out so much information from the conference back five years ago. And yeah, Surrogacy UK was the organisation for me with his friendship first ethos yeah same so from google again it was service uk and one other um i actually preferred the other one's website i thought there was more information on it even though it looked like it was still from the 80s than than was currently on the service uk website even though we've now much much improved it um and i downloaded both their application forms and the service uk application form was at least three times as thick as the other organization and it had really deep questions in that you had to think about and I thought if this organization's asking me these they're going to look after me because they realize that these are important things like what do your family think what will your friends think how are you going to tell your children they weren't in that other organization's application form and I thought if they're not picking up on these important things and making me think about them then I think there's going to be more support in the in Surrogacy UK who will so that's why I leant towards this way and yep, came to a conference that was my first ever event a bit like a rabbit in the headlights isn't it for your first one a bit yep. overwhelming because there's so much going on and went from there what were your first impressions when you first came to Surrogacy UK you find the uh, nearest corner and back away because you're so worried because there's all these people talking and you're like oh I don't know anybody 
but um but you soon warm up and everyone is so friendly and really inviting and everyone chats to you yeah and it's just a great place to be you kind of cling to the first person who starts speaking to you oh someone spoke to me good i will stay with them for the whole of this event and i won't move from my chair and i'll just speak to these people and then at your next one you're a bit more relaxed and you get introduced to other people and go from there and just build such a big network of support and friendship from there on i think for me my first it was a conference it was a uh, an event but because it was so long ago when surrogacy uk was in its infancy the whole membership turned up and there was about 20 of us (laughs) so it was a lot easier for me because you could get to know people quite easily and it wasn't quite so terrifying however I, i retired for a little while and then came back a few years later um, and I went to my first event and was absolutely terrified because I was going on my own um, and yeah just the same as everybody else just who do I talk to (laughs) but within like 10 minutes you were chatting about sperm and egg quality so that sort of breaks the ice a bit. And how does that compare about with how you feel now when you come to an event now you come to them to see your friends and meet up with people rather than for information because we all kind of have a good handle on what happens and how it works and it's great speaking to new people but you sometimes forget how much they don't know so they'll ask you a question and you're like what that seems really obvious but no because they're so new they just don't do they but it's it's great coming out because yeah you're here to see your friends and people who joined with you at the same time and see them complete their journey either by becoming parents or becoming a surrogate is brilliant the thing that people always ask me is about the acronyms so you get used to talking in ips and gtks and things like that and then newbies come and they have no idea what these acronyms mean and so you you end up even just telling people what what these acronyms mean ip which means intended parent gtk which means getting to know uh i've gone blank now ttc trying, trying to conceive to, yeah bfp big fat positive <laughs> so things like that but i think for me conference now is meeting the people that i speak to on online all the time i speak to all the surrogates every day online and it's really nice a couple of times a year to actually come and meet them in person because we're so the other end of the country from each other um, we'd never really all get together in one place. So going back to when you were first looking into surrogacy, what, if anything, did you know about it? I knew absolutely nothing and I didn't have a clue whether it was something that I could do right now. Could I involve my family in it? Um, would I be able to do it? Would I have to fund it myself? Would I have my expenses paid? Did I get paid for it? What I didn't absolutely know nothing at all. So when I was very, very newbie when I come to find out all about surrogacy, but it was really easy to find that surrogacy in the UK, it's obviously illegal to financially benefit from any arrangement and that your expenses are paid for you. So, you know, you're not out of pocket as a surrogate, which I thought maybe I'd have to wait. I paid off my mortgage or whatever before I could become a surrogate. Um, but thankfully, I, you know, I found out that I could become a surrogate right now and it wouldn't financially affect me. When I came to look into surrogacy, I knew nothing about it at all. But as I said before, I came to a conference and spoke to lots of surrogates and got all the, all the information from them, from, you know, the expenses to making the call to meeting people to every aspect of it. And to be honest, there's so much to take in. 
I'm, now I look back and think actually there's there's not so much to learn but whilst you're talking to newbies now then you realize that actually there is there is a lot to know and to learn and to understand and to take in I think as well talking to people that aren't involved with surrogacy there's still a lot of things that the general public still don't know about surrogacy like I still get asked is it illegal is that not illegal in the UK or you know oh I bet you, oh I bet you're gonna buy a nice house with it with the, all your expenses that you get and it's like well no I don't really <laughs> um you know I still live in the same house and drive the same rubbish car that I had before um you know so I think for the general public there's still so much that people don't know about surrogacy and when you're in the world it's normal so you come to a conference and you just it's normal to talk about surrogacy but um yeah when you're out there in the in the general public you still have to dispel a lot of myths for people it's good to teach other people though and to try and get other people to understand our world and that's it you don't realize there is a surrogacy world do you i when i first joined i knew nothing about surrogacy same as everyone else it was a big massive learning curve um with the help of google as we've said and (laughs) with the help of coming to conferences and speaking to members. I remember my stepdad asked me, so the conference you went to, how many people were there? And I was like, about 300. And he was, oh, I thought you were going to say about 50. You know, he just, they just, no one realises how big it is and how much there is that goes on. It's a very unspoken subject as well, infertility. I remember every time, especially when I was pregnant with the twins, every time anyone asked me about my bump, I just couldn't walk along and and not say that they weren't mine and it was surrogacy. And everyone wanted to ask you about, you know, fertility and infertility. And it's amazing how many people go, oh yeah, I suffered with infertility. Oh yeah, my auntie or my uncle couldn't have children because, and they would love to have been able to access surrogacy. So yeah, it's amazing how many people just relate as soon as you say it yeah I think for me some of my closest friends who I've known for years and years and years when I started being a surrogate they went oh we were thinking about that we were thinking about using a surrogate and it's like I've known you for years you know and we talk about all sorts of things but you don't talk to me about the fact that you're going through this and you you were looking at possibly having a surrogate that it's got that far down the line for you it's really strange. And it's amazing as soon as you say to someone, like I say, when you're pregnant, I would never say it was my bump and I work in a school in an office. So I always get the parents coming in and I'd be like, oh, no, it's not mine. And the story to get, oh, yes, we adopted ours because we couldn't have children or like you say, my sister can't. And they go into really intimate details with you about a subject that they would actually never speak about normally. So it's really amazing how it opens that door and how many people out there are struggling with it mm. and it's just not really something that's talked about in the same way as other illnesses. Yeah, mm. even my mother-in-law had found that she had her friends coming to her asking about it for for their family members. So it definitely kind of is a, wide, a widened subject, if you like. Yeah, I get family yeah. members now that message me say, I've met this person and they want to talk to you about surrogacy, so it'll be a complete stranger, but a member of your family's obviously been talking about you yeah you talk to a lot of people through family referrals now yeah, yeah facebook messages yeah, from people yeah. saying oh i hear you know about surrogacy my such and such friend is struggling with infertility is there any advice you can give or where can you recommend that she goes or is there a clinic that you can recommend you know it goes on 
The Fertility Podcast is supported by OvuSense. If you're trying to monitor your cycle and finding it overwhelming, OvuSense is the only ovulation monitor on the market that is a class 2 medical device. It has a vaginal sensor and app and it fits like a tampon so it's really easy to use and comfortable to wear. You use it at night whilst you sleep and then in the morning you simply remove, wash it and download your data to see your cycle pattern. Now OvuSense has proven comfortable for women in over 10,000 cycles of use and can predict ovulation up to a day in advance and can confirm it with 99% accuracy. To find out more, visit OvuSense.com. The Fertility Podcast is also supported by IVF Matters, the UK's first online fertility clinic where you can order tests delivered to your door, have scans at multiple locations and speak to consultants in the comfort of your own home. It's a truly unique way to experience your fertility journey and you can find out more at IVFMatters.co.uk. When you were still at the beginning of your adventure with surrogacy what were you worried about what were your concerns i was concerned because obviously as a surrogate mother you're you the legal parent of that baby until it all goes through the courts um and before i met my ips i was worried what if they didn't want it what if there was something wrong with the baby and they could just walk away and i would be left with a baby and i would be responsible for that baby and that was a huge worry for me which was only dispelled by meeting my IPs and thinking these IPs have worked so hard to have a baby there's no way they're going anywhere um but for me that was my biggest concern I think yeah that's the kind of the number one question that we as we as surrogates get asked is um won't you want to keep the baby and I just I always feel like saying well are you definitely going to take the baby because you know we're the we are the legal parents and should you should you decide to not take that baby then that's my responsibility and so I guess it is a worry although very quickly it's dispelled a bit like when intended parents ask the question will the surrogate keep the baby um no she won't <laughs> I guess my biggest fear is actually will anyone like me enough to let me do this for them you know I remember my IP saying um you know they feel so it's such um an honour to have someone offer to get to know them to help them they say you know do you like us enough that you're gonna grow our baby and I'm like you like me enough that you're gonna let me and that you trust me to do that for you and you know the worry is what if no one wants me as a surrogate so that was the big concern yeah what happens if I don't what happens if I'm too fat or or my BMI is too high or, or as a straight I don't surrogate, look right or, or yeah <laughs> my nose is wonky yeah. <laughs> you know so you're worried that as a surrogate who's donating, a straight surrogate, so you're donating your own egg, you might be concerned that someone doesn't like the look of the baby. <laughs> or maybe when my kids are acting up. <laughs> oh, they might not want my genetics. <laughs> I remember when I introduced the guys to my sister and I told her, don't you put them off my genetics. You'll be on your best behaviour when they come round and meet you. And like introducing your IPs to your family... Um, is like introducing a new partner to your family. You want them to approve of your family and like you, but that's whether you're a straight or a host surrogate because your family help you and support you and you all need to get along. So, yeah, those are the fears for me. It was, will they like me? Will they like my family? Will they let me do it for them? Will they like my house? Is it tidy enough? Yes. <laughs> I, I remember when my first, when my IPs first came round to visit. Oh my god! The amount of cleaning went into my house that day. For me, I worried about contact because I wanted to be a part of the child's life forever, not like as 
bringing the child up or anything just to you know see them a few times a year I mean more if possible but just to watch the family grow really yeah my fear was that that wouldn't happen but hopefully, I mean, my, my team seem like it's great, so hopefully it'll be like that forever. <laughs> I don't think there's any hopefully about it, is there? You, yeah. You're going to see each other well. till you die. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of reactions have you had from your family and friends through the process? My first time of being a surrogate, my family... <laughs> Stage an intervention. <laughs> they were like, you can't possibly do this, you don't know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. You know, and they all sat me down and told me the reasons why I shouldn't do it. Um, and it really quickly became clear that I knew so much more about it than my family did. Um, what were that, their concerns? That my IPs were baby-grabbing, you know, rich people that would just... Um, leave me and abandon me and just use me I suppose um uh, and so I asked them to trust me um which they had a hard time doing but then I brought my IPs to meet them and as soon as they met them there was never a question again they never questioned me again um as soon as they met my first IPs and saw how lovely they were and how normal they were you know they were just a regular couple uh, who wanted a baby um, yeah that that dispelled all their myths so and then when I when I was talking about being a surrogate a second time they just went yeah whatever so it certainly helped. <laughs> Most of my family and friends have been brilliant and very very supportive the only thing that they tend to worry or did worry about before I had Ella was my emotions and my mental state I think after I'd given birth to her and they were all very much on tiptoes around me after I had her as well. Just, are you all right? Is a, you know, if, you, if you're going to cry, is that, does that mean that, you know, you want the baby back and stuff like that? But, you know, as soon as they kind of got that where I was afterwards and they understood and they saw how I was and saw how we were as a team with Ella because Ella and the family all stayed around for a week afterwards and them all being part of that was was good and put minds at rest. You said that it really reassured them seeing how you were. How, how were you? Relaxed and happy. I was happy to see, see them as a family, them completed everything that I'd been working towards for the, for the last um, two and a half years had you know finally happened and I was happy and proud and amazed by everybody in the team that we did it and it was just amazing it's such an amazing experience really is if you think if you want to do it do it <laughs> I'd say if you're thinking about it do it yeah I definitely walked around on cloud nine yeah for a very long time after and I still do I'm still very very proud um when I see the girls the twins I'm yeah very very proud of what I managed to achieve it is I was talking to a new IP who I, I traveled up with in the car today and I was saying people say to you I'm sure you girls have had it how selfless you are how amazing you are and I said I think I'm so selfish because I got such a buzz out of doing it yeah. it's something I can look back on and say look what I did with my life what mm -hmm. have you done you know your family have to come along with for the ride with you whether they want to or not and support you through a pregnancy and a birth and all the stuff that can go with that 
So no, we're not selfless. Mm. I feel very selfish, mm. but it's amazing. How many times can a person say that they've changed a person's life? You, you helped you make know, a family. You yeah. made someone's dreams come it's not, true. It's not yeah. just the parents, it's the grandparents and the aunties and uncles and cousins and you're changing a whole family. And there's not many times you can actually say that. It's like the ripple effect. You throw a stone into a pond and the ripples just keep going and going and going and going and that's what it's like. And going back to the question about how your family feel, I know my, my mum and stepdad are so proud of me. And that's such a nice feeling too. Mm. Um, you know, I joke to them, they've got this wall in their house where my sisters have got their graduation pictures up and I haven't got, I've never graduated. So I jokingly said, I'm going to hold the baby up and in a, where, like a this degree thing and get a cap and gown and get my picture on that wall because that's, that's what I've done. <laughs> I think uh, for families as well, for my family, it was quite, they didn't sort of know how to treat the pregnancy. Could they talk about it? You know, when we were at family events, could they make reference to the fact that I was getting bigger or, you know, how I was feeling? And it took them a little while to get used to the fact that actually they could, you know, rub the bump and talk about my morning sickness and things like that. Because I think at the beginning they thought, well, if we just ignore this, it'll be easier for Sarah when she has the baby. But I didn't want that. I wanted them to acknowledge the fact that I was pregnant and that we were going to have a baby. As a team, we were going to have a baby. But my family very quickly sort of got on board with that and they still see the children now afterwards, so they have their link with it as well. It's funny because my dad was completely opposite and he bleated to everyone that would listen that I was a surrogate and how proud he was and... Um, that, yeah, so he would go down the pub and tell everybody, and get drunk and tell everybody in the pub how amazing I was. And then they'd come up to me and say, oh, yeah, you're, so you're pregnant with a surrogate baby. Yeah, how do you know me? <laughs> so that was quite funny, but he was very, very proud. Yeah, I mean, it all turned around. I mean, my, at my wedding, my dad's speech was all about surrogacy at my wedding. Oh, you know? nice. um, And for my dad, who is never very, you know, gregarious with his emotions, it was, the, it was the most choking part of my entire wedding for my dad to actually say those things out loud to other people. <laughs> right, before we all burst into tears, let's, before you found out how wonderful it was, but when you were still at the beginning of your adventure with surrogacy, what were you worried about? What were your concerns? I was concerned because obviously as a surrogate mother you're, you're the legal parent of that baby until it all goes through the courts um, and before I met my IPs I was worried what if they didn't want it what if there was something wrong with the baby and they could just walk away and I would be left with a baby and I would be responsible for that baby and that was a huge worry for me which was only dispelled by meeting my IPs and thinking these IPs have worked so hard to have a baby there's no way they're going anywhere um, but for me that was my biggest concern I think yeah that's the kind of the number one question that we as we as surrogates get asked is um, won't you want to keep the baby and I just I always feel like saying well are you definitely going to take the baby because you know we're the we are the legal parents and should you should you decide to not take that baby then that's my responsibility and so I guess it is a worry although very quickly it's dispelled a bit like when intended parents ask the question will the surrogate keep the baby um no she won't <laughs> I guess my biggest fear is actually will anyone like me enough to let me do this for them you know I remember my IP saying um you know they feel so it's such um 
an honor to have someone offer to get to know them, to help them. They say, you know, do you like us enough that you're going to grow our baby? And I'm like, you like me enough that you're going to let me and that you trust me to do that for you. And, you know, the worry is what if no one wants me as a surrogate? So that was the big concern. Yeah, what happens if I don't, what happens if I'm too fat or, or my BMI is too high or, or as a straight I don't surrogate, look right or, or, or... Yeah, <laughs> my nose is wonky, yeah. <laughs> you know. So you're worried that as a surrogate who's donating, a straight surrogate, so you're donating your own egg, you might be concerned that someone doesn't like the look of a baby. <laughs> or maybe when my kids are acting up. <laughs> oh, oh, they might not want my genetics. <laughs> I remember when I introduced the guys to my sister and I told her, don't you put them off my genetics. You'll be on your best behaviour when they come round and meet you. And, like, introducing your IPs to your family um, is like introducing a new partner to your family. You want them to approve of your family and like you, whether that's whether you're a straight or a host surrogate, because your family help you and support you and you all need to get along. So, yeah, those are the fears for me. It was, will they like me? Will they like my family? Will they let me do it for them? Will they like my house? Is it tidy enough? Yes. <laughs> I, I remember when my first, when my IPs first came round to visit. Oh my god, the amount of cleaning that went into my house that day. For me, I worried about contact because I wanted to be a part of the child's life forever, not like as bringing the child up or anything just to you know see them a few times a year I mean more if possible but just to watch the family grow really yeah my fear was that that wouldn't happen but hopefully I mean my my team seem like it's great so hopefully it'll be like that forever <laughs> I don't think there's any hopefully about it is there you, yeah you're gonna see each other wow. till you die <laughs> <laughs> how did you talk to your children about your plans my children were seven and five when I first decided to do surrogacy and when I met my first intended parents, um, who I had the twins for. And I very early on explained exactly uh, in, in child terms to my children what I would be doing. So I explained that Caroline's tummy was broken and unfortunately she really wanted to have a baby but she couldn't have a baby and um, we were going to use Caroline's seed and plant it into mummy's tummy so she would grow the baby because she's very good at growing babies because she grew you. And I said, wouldn't that be a great, a great thing to do um, for somebody? And they were like, yeah, all right, mum. And carried on doing exactly what they were doing before I had the conversation. So I think because they were so young, they, they just, it was just, okay, that's fine. They're kind of, they kind of were more accepting than what adults were. Mm. They take it as read. Okay, yeah, mum says that's what she's doing. That's fine. Yeah, children do just take what you say. My son was 10 when I started. So I just said to him, I want to help other people grow children. They can't always do it themselves. I said, I was going to host celebrate. So I said, a doctor would take their eggs, their sperm, their, make their baby and then put it in me. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's okay. That's fine. Then when I switched to straight surrogacy, he was a bit older. He was 12, maybe. And that's not something I wanted to talk to a 12-year-old boy about. So I just said, this time I do it, I'm going to use my own eggs. So that does mean the baby will have a link to you, but it's not going to be your brother or sister, which he understood. He's got a half-sister through his dad. I've got stepbrothers and stepsisters, so he understands that's how a family was. But I've never talked to him about how it was done. That's not something But he... Um, he clearly knows. I wanted to, now he's 14, 
wanted to make sure he knew that I did not sleep with any of them because <laughs> that was not something I wanted to think. But I never actually explicitly said it, but he did the other month make some joke about how I was so sad and lonely and single that I couldn't even have sex to get pregnant. It was done else another way. <laughs> so I thought, right, okay, at least he understands. <laughs> But he's absolutely fine. He's not bothered at all by the baby. He's a typical 14-year-old. You know, he held her when she was born, but it's like, eh, whenever she comes around and visits now, oh, yeah, it's nice to see her, but he's not bothered by her, doesn't see her as a sister, and it's all good. My eldest was six when I looked into surrogacy first, and she was so bonded with my IPs that we didn't have much of a conversation about it. It was like, um, Andrea can't have a baby, and I can have babies, so is it okay if we do it for them? And she was like, yep, because she was six. <laughs> That's as much as we went into it when she was six. Obviously, I came back to surrogacy and I'd had two younger children, and it was a lot easier for them because they'd got older surrogate children. So they'd got two older surrogate children who they'd known from birth, so they'd grown up with those surrogate children, so it was really easy. The third and fourth time around because they already had a relationship with the babies that I'd given birth to, and it was just normal. So they were just like cousins or uh, friends' children. So for them, it was completely normal and still continues to be completely normal now. You know, they have a nice relationship, but they're not brothers and sisters. Um, my kids sort of go through who I've had in my stomach, but they only consider themselves to be, you know, there's the three siblings and that's it. So overall, in comparison to your expectations, how was the experience for you guys? Well, I've done it four times, so, you know, it's a positive experience. Definitely, you, you want to do it again and again. So I'm now retired for the second time. <laughs> I was retired <laughs> ten years ago and then came back and had two more. But it's really difficult to be retired. I've retired because I'm 40 this year. Not that that has anything to do with being a surrogate because I know I've probably got a good 10 years left in me, but I've had four surrogate children and three children of my own and it seemed like a good time to stop. However, Erica is now three months old and it doesn't seem like a really good time to stop anymore, especially coming to the conference and starting talking to people and people that have been your friends for years and years who are still struggling to have a baby. It makes you feel incredibly guilty that you can't offer. And I know I joke and I say, oh, I'm just going to avoid everybody <laughs> at the conference, but these people are your friends and you would do it for your best friends and these IPs have become my best friends. So it's really difficult to be retired. It carries a lot of guilt for me. Um, yes, yeah, probably not the best time to ask me at three months postpartum. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely like a drug. I described my experience at the end to people that it was like a high like no other and there was no drug that could match how I felt afterwards and therefore it is very addictive and I have to do it again because I need to get that. I need to get that high and that happiness again, definitely. Before I had Ella, I mean, it took quite a while to have my first surrogate baby. So whilst I was pregnant with Ella, I was like, no, definitely not doing this again. It's just taken too long. It's too much heartache and, and things like that, really. But once I had her, I was like, I definitely can see why people do this time and time again, because it truly is amazing. But unfortunately, I, I, I won't be doing it again. But I can definitely see why people do it time and time and time again. Yeah, I knew it would you know, it'd be good and seeing all the surrogates before me have it, but it doesn't prepare you for that actual buzz and highlight of just that moment once the baby's out and it's 
and you know she was in her daddy's arms and it was just like oh I need to do that again (laughs) straight away for me it was always when the skin-to-skin contact happened and you're sort of sat there you've just given birth or had a section and you're sat there and you're looking at this family with such love because they're all having this skin-to-skin contact and that's it for me that moment not the birth not anything like that but that moment when you finally turn and watch them as a family because they might have skin to skin contact for half an hour or an hour and you're just in love with watching them you know it, you look at them like like when you fall in love with your partner that's how you look at that family who were all sat there for the first time that that's what that's my high and you feel incredibly privileged to be yeah. sat there and watching. I always describe I described surrogacy as like a cardboard box and everyone's around the cardboard box watching what's going on inside. And I felt like I was very privileged to sit there and watch what was going on in the cardboard box and watching the family bonding with the IPs bonding with their baby that I just delivered for them. And it, it, it's incredible to watch. Going back to um, like expectations, I mean, I thought when I joined that I would meet a couple and I would have their baby and that would be great. But like Janine, it took me a little bit longer. It took me four years. It took me three sets of IPs before I finally got, got pregnant. And even though there was a lot of heartache on that way, I would still wouldn't change it. I would go through it all again for the, seeing them with, have their daughter now. It's just amazing. I've got to say to you, ladies, I'm not meant to be doing the talking because I'm not a surrogate, but from an IP perspective, the privilege of watching you guys and your birth partners do what you do as well, to be there, watch that intimate interplay between you and your husband or your partner or whoever's there to support you. I tell you what, when Kate was giving birth, she looked like the most beautiful woman on earth to me. And uh, what you said, Sarah, about falling in love with... Your partner it was exactly the same from an IP perspective. Right, we better all stop crying now and get on with the business. <laughs> <laughs> so through the process, it's not always easy, is it? You know, you guys have said that there have been some difficult times. Where did you turn for support? Through to SUK. I think it's so important to to get that support network because yes, my family have been amazing and my friends have been great, but they just don't know the difference. Uh, of what it's like to be a surrogate so when I say it's been hard I miscarried my first surrogate pregnancy and yes my sister had gone through a miscarriage but she hadn't miscarried someone else's baby and it brings a whole other set of emotions into it but there's within SUK we're such a great community sadly if you go through something sad someone else has been through it someone else has experienced and felt everything you felt so you can go to them and get that support sadly that team ended after miscarriage and I believe honestly believe in my heart is because my ips didn't have a support network around them to know how to deal with the miscarriage and my feelings and their feelings whereas now my second team ended because my im passed away unexpectedly but me and the if are still the best of friends because we had such a great support network we were able to support each other and he will always be part of my family he will always be like a brother to me and now my current IPs, one of the things that attracted me to them was how many friends they had within SUK, that they were active on our message boards and that they came to all the social events. So I knew that we were a host team before we turned straight and we had three failed transfers, but we could get through that because we had all that support and we knew how to help each other. So that's, for me, 
has been a massive thing. And of course, my family, they've carried me through all of those things. But the SUK community, definitely. I don't think anyone other than all the surrogates can understand how you're feeling. Nobody. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of different emotions than when you're having your own children. <clears throat> um, carrying a surrogate baby is completely different. Um, and nobody else can understand that other than um, other surrogates. So for me to have that peer support um, from other surrogates was... Uh, I couldn't have done it alone. I know that. I, I don't know how people do it without other surrogates to talk to. Right. I just completely agree with these guys. that You need the support within SUK and the other surrogates because they just get it. Yeah, they know exactly how you're yeah. feeling. So when you look back on your experiences what's the most important thing that you've learned about being a surrogate how easy it is that you think it's complicated but it's not actually that complicated things that you think are going to be complicated like emotions and meeting someone and uh, building a relationship they're the really easy things um so for me it's just to sort of get the message out really that it's as simple as you want to make it so if you're quite laid back about the whole process um, and are open to having nice friendships with lots of people the process is really easy for me it's the importance of the support and the peer support and you know talking to those people who go through it too and having them there so that if things are difficult yes I, when Sarah says it's easy she means the relationships and things but getting pregnant is hard and it's it's not an easy thing to do even if you've had your own children so going through that and having your peer support there is definitely very very important I agree with these girls, but I also think that it's taught my family, my husband and my children a great deal. I hope it's taught my kids to be kind and to be generous and help people as much as you can. Yeah, I definitely agree with Janine. I hope that it's taught my children that it's good to give and do whatever you can to help somebody else. That's what I've learned. So one final question. What would you say to somebody who was thinking about becoming a surrogate? Do it. Do, do it. Definitely do it. <laughs> if you're thinking about it, you know in your heart you want to. It's, it's almost like a call-in, isn't it? It's like you found what you're meant to be doing or what you're meant to have done with your life. So if it's in you and if it's in your mind, it's never going to go away. So just get on with it and do it. How fascinating was that to listen to? We really hope you enjoyed finding out what really motivates surrogates. They are an amazing group of women. If you've been inspired and you are interested in becoming a surrogate yourself or just want to find out more, all the information you need is at surrogacyuk.org. You can follow us on Twitter at surrogacyuk.org and on Facebook, it's just facebook.com forward slash surrogacyuk.org. We hope to hear from you. So you heard there all the ways in which you can find out about Surrogacy UK. And I will put details about them in the show notes for this episode, which are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash surrogacy. Please do make sure you're following The Fertility Podcast either by giving me your email on this website or you can subscribe in iTunes. Your support is just brilliant and it's what helps me. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at fertility poddy and my facebook page is just the fertility podcast now i've got some changes happening to the website so bear with me i am about to launch a new website in the next couple of weeks which is really exciting and i'm going to be putting out the feelers for more contributors so if you're interested in writing content i will be telling you how you can do just that as well as chatting with me on this podcast so until the next time 